make sure that uh, that program doesn't contain controversial subjects and uh, you're not impolite to people no definitely not dad you know me i'm never <laughs> ever controversial or yeah, impolite yeah, yeah okay welcome to conversations with your lovable never pisses anyone off never been banned from facebook or youtube never been sabotaged or censored for politely expressing a difference of opinion ex-muslim host Ina, keeping it non-controversial Saudi Arabia, a country I grew up in, had a wonderfully happy childhood in, where I was one of the very few fortunate enough to be shielded from the harsh realities of my host country, at least while I was too young to notice that I opposed everything it stood for. How did I live such a blissfully ignorant life in Saudi? Well, I lived in a Western compound what I like to describe as a reverse Amish compound. We had our own little city within a city where life was normal and Saudi rules didn't apply. In fact, in my early years there, Saudis weren't even allowed in. Maybe their own government feared that uh, evil foreign Western morality would rub off on them. They weren't allowed into our schools either. I never really met and spoke to an actual Saudi till I was a teenager, despite having lived there my whole life at the time. Of course, I encountered Saudis in the bazaars outside the oasis of our compound walls. I came across and ran and hid from their harsh Orwellian morality police. I saw hundreds of uniformed, black, faceless silhouettes, women forced into modesty by their families, by the state. Eventually, after hitting puberty... My parents, too, regretfully told me that I had to put on a cloak when we left the compound. Otherwise, I could start getting in trouble with the morality police. This was not something they wanted for me, but they had to, because that's just what women were expected to do in Saudi, or else. Not that that ever stopped men from staring. I actually remember feeling really conscious about my developing body when I had to start wearing the abaya, or the black cloak. Because all of a sudden, I was wearing a symbol of sexualization, of womanhood, announcing to the world that this was no longer a child's body. It had to be hidden away. It made me feel sick to my stomach. It made me slouch. It made me very conscious that people would now be aware of my developing breasts. It seemed to be an advertisement for exactly what it wanted to hide. A really stupid, pointless garment, I always thought. But inside the compound walls... Life was idyllic. We were shielded from all poverty, crime. It was a very artificial bubble, no doubt. But I have wonderful memories of spending warm, sunny afternoons at the pool, buying ice cream from the compound store, going trick-or-treating, receiving Christmas cards with Santa on a camel traveling through the desert. I had a totally solid, secular education, one I most likely wouldn't have had if my parents raised us in my birth country, Pakistan. In the wake of Monday's Saudi attacks, I'm left feeling so many things. It's hard to describe how I feel about Saudi Arabia. It's a country that made me who I am, fiercely secular. 
one that weirdly gave me the freedom to explore who I wanted to be within the safety of my compound walls. It gave me privileges that many in my motherland of Pakistan do not have. I do look back at it with some affection. Some things are deeply woven into the fabric of my being. I can't help it. Arabic calligraphy, mosque architecture, even sounds of Arabic, a language I don't understand at all, but it sounds so familiar to my ears. The streets, the buildings, they're all a part of me. All part of that fuzzy, nostalgic feeling that comes when you think of happy times in your past. But also, I oppose everything this country stands for, pretty much. The deep-rooted, open racism, people paid according to what passports they hold, the blatant misogyny, the uncountable human rights violations, the censorship of every single thing while I was growing up, cartoons, magazines, books, music, and the mere mention of any other religion. The level of insecurity of this country struck me as odd, even as a very little child. Why did they have to censor Hindu gods out of Bollywood movies? It didn't make any sense to me. That kind of paranoia? What were they afraid of? How weak did they think people's bond to Islam was? Did they really have to try so hard to keep people from straying away? Something I didn't really believe could possibly exist in the ways I had heard about it were the barbaric 7th century punishments. The public beheadings. I mean, I heard about them, but... I always held out hope that it was some kind of rumor. Only after leaving the country and watching documentaries did I learn that there was actually what was known as the chop-chop square with a drainage system built into the ground for the blood. This was a country that I couldn't take photographs for school projects in without hiding because photography is idolatrous or some crazy shit. This was a country where I did see morality police hit my mother's leg with a cane because her headscarf had fallen. There was a constant fear. We were not Saudi. We didn't have rights in the country, and we grew up knowing that. So as you can see, my feelings of affection and loathing both factor in. Affection for my childhood home and memories and utter disgust at the values of the country in general. It's hard to hold both feelings simultaneously, and yet I do. After these attacks in Jeddah, Medina, Katif, all I see are ignorant people on social media. Instead of addressing this horrific problem, they're using it as some sort of excuse to deny Islamic terrorism's links with Islam itself. I mean, could anything be more ridiculous and twisted? We saw this with Turkey, too, where people said these terrorists are attacking Muslims in the holy month of Ramadan shows they are somehow non-Muslim. We saw it with Orlando, too. The fact that Omar Mateen was potentially gay meant he wasn't Muslim all of a sudden, and the attacks had nothing to do with Islam. Never mind the hateful homophobia contained in scriptures. I mean, are people for fucking real? How do they even believe that nonsense themselves? Ramadan, the holy month, where holier-than-thou terrorists would consider it God's work with more points to score if they killed a bunch of non-Muslims or wrong Muslims. This spike in terrorist attacks we're seeing this Ramadan is not at all proof that there are some non-Muslim conspiracy. I mean, grow the fuck up and face the truth.
They're doing this in the holy month because it's the holy month and they feel more of a duty to be ultra-religious this month. For them, it's the month of conquest. They can easily justify it using Islamic history and scripture. This might not be your Islam granted, and it isn't for the majority of Muslims. Yes, yes, we get it. Otherwise, we'd see a much bloodier world. But do not deny that others may interpret and practice differently to you. What does denial achieve other than giving people a false sense of complacency? Comfort. Oh, my religion is cuddly and sweet. Hello, have you met religion? For fuck's sake, it stops people from addressing the issues. This constant engagement in the battle of whether ISIS is Islamic or not, the so-called Islamic State or just the Islamic State, fucking hell, when are we going to get past this and actually figure out what we're supposed to do? Everyone is so busy denying this that anyone who doesn't seems like a fucking hero. Don't make Trump a hero. You're harming your own community. They call themselves the Islamic State. Read the scriptures and see for yourselves just how their actions correlate. It is because of 21st century human decency that most people are not practicing their religions in the violent ways they're written. They're not peaceful because of religion. They're peaceful despite it. Crack open a holy book, would you? The violence in those things is undeniable. The hate speech, the intolerance, yet all we see is denial. From our world leaders even, how are they supposed to lead us if they can't even identify the obvious problem, staring them in the face? The 2014 Pakistan school massacre. A devastatingly dark day in Pakistani history. They killed 132 Muslim school children. They cited a hadith to justify their acts. While many predictably denied this had anything to do with Islam and said that killing of children is forbidden, the terrorists correlated their actions with what Prophet Muhammad did with his enemies. At the time of the Banu Qurayza massacre, Prophet Muhammad ordered only those children be killed whose pubic hairs have appeared, said Umar Khurasani, spokesperson for the Pakistani Taliban. He said... Those objecting or claiming that it was un-Islamic should study Sahih al-Bukhari. Bombing near the Prophet's tomb in Medina just yesterday, one of the holiest sites. How could Muslims fathom destroying this? Two words, Saudi Arabia. I'm sorry to say, but this is their ideology too. Do you know how many historic Islamic sites they've destroyed simply because they fear these sites turn into places of idol worship? And we all know how Allah feels about idol worship. I remember going to Medina as a child. And my mom going to the tomb. She wanted a minute to weep, to put her head there, just to feel some emotion. To practice her faith in the softer, gentler way that was so different from the Saudi way. But before you know it, Saudi morality police were yanking people off, saying this is not acceptable in Islam. This is shirk. It's idolatry. This is the Saudi ideology, the same Saudi that is an ally to many Western countries, the same Saudi that flogs bloggers for writing about secularism, the same Saudi that beheads people much like ISIS, the same Saudi that is the heart and hub of Islam, the one that doesn't allow any other religion to be practiced. 
they themselves approve of destroying Islamic historical sites. How on earth can these ignorant people keep claiming this has nothing to do with Islam? Islam comes in many forms. And I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but this is one of them. The sooner you can acknowledge that, the sooner we can address it in our communities without separating into two camps of deniers or bigots. Imagine how hard it would be to address Christian homophobia if people kept saying it had nothing to do with Christianity. Please, please let us grow and evolve too. This is becoming more and more important. How many attacks does it take before our well-intentioned Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, who is good on other things, can stop saying that ISIS has proven itself to be an enemy of all Muslims? No. Just the Muslims it deems not Muslim enough. That is the problem. Please, take this as a plea from someone who is concerned about what happens in their community. I may be an ex-Muslim, but I am still very much a part of that community, and I don't want to see it self-destruct. Acknowledge the sectarian element of these attacks in Saudi, the Shia hatred, all symptoms of people thinking that someone isn't practicing their religion the right way. All you're doing through denial is empowering anti-Muslim bigots, creating further divides between the rest of the world and Muslims. Why can't everyone be against Islamic terrorism together? They have attacked all of us, Muslims included. This should be enough for us to realize that Islamic terrorists don't discriminate against who they hate. For them, we are all kuffar. So stop engaging in that toxic mentality in the first place, where you think you can decide who is or isn't Muslim enough. For those who think attacks in Ramadan are some proof of non-Muslimness, Sorry, but your prophet carried out attacks in Ramadan. Mecca was conquered by Muslims in Ramadan. Stop wasting time with nonsense. Start moving this conversation forward. Not you, anti-Muslims or anti-immigrants or Muslim bigots. Constantly hot potatoing blame. Let's drop that tribalism and dismantle bad ideas. Thanks for listening to another episode of Polite Conversations. You can support this podcast by sharing the shit out of it, making some noise about it, or contributing via Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No Ian mangoes. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at nice mangoes. If you want to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly Patreon one, you can do so via PayPal. NiceMangoes.blog at gmail.com. Remember, no Ian Mangoes. If you've got an interesting story and would potentially like to be a guest, you can email me there too. A special thanks to Dylan Beck for theme music, sound, and production help.